This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, and today we're going to discuss the topic. Can we have blessed hope during the end times? You know, if we're going to talk about anything that's end time related, we need to address the elephant in the room right off the bat. The entire concept of the end times is scary to most people. I mean, who wants to face persecution, economic distress, and natural disasters yet? In Titus 2.13, the Apostle Paul said the return of Jesus was to be our blessed hope. Is there some kind of disconnect here? Should we feel guilty about being frightened by the end times? No, not at all. Even the writers of the Bible had similar responses when they considered the last days. The prophet Daniel, after seeing a vision of our future, wrote this about his reaction to it. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Daniel 8.27 After seeing visions of the future, one of the most faithful men of God who ever lived was sickened by what he saw. So it's no wonder that the rest of us are a bit shaken by these visions as well. You shouldn't feel guilty about fear. It's a normal human emotion. However, God has given us resources to deal with the chaos of difficult times. This podcast is taken from chapter 2 of my book, How to Prepare for the Last Days. That's why we place this chapter, chapter 2, right up front. So as people read the rest of the book, they can filter each chapter through the lens of the solutions that we discuss here. But what makes hard times especially difficult and fearful in the 21st century is that they're unexpected to us. Back in the days of the apostles, hard times and persecution were part of everyday life. All but one of the apostles were martyred, and the Romans frequently martyred Christians. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you, John 15, 18. To those of us living in Western nations, however, it may be surprising that according to Open Doors, much of the world is experiencing similar extremely difficult times even now in 2022. 312 million Christians, that's one-seventh of all Christians in the world, experienced extreme levels of persecution this year. That's the highest percentage of Christian persecution in history, higher than the days of the apostles. You may live in an insulated part of the world, but in places like Afghanistan and North Korea, Christians are dying, being tortured or raped, and being displaced from their homes. For them, the hard times that are coming are not a surprise. What also makes hard times unexpected is that many Christians had hoped Jesus would return before we had to endure any difficulties at all, that somehow we'd escape all the challenges that Scripture tells us are coming. However, this was just wishful thinking. The events of the last two years have proven that dream false. Hard times have started, and they threaten to get worse with rumors of nuclear war and economic collapse almost every day. But although Jesus didn't rescue us from all hard times, he will rescue his faithful believers before God himself punishes the doers of evil. Of that rescue... There is absolutely no doubt. Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. 
Jesus is going to take believers into his presence before he punishes those who refuse to repent from their murders, tortures, rapes, thefts, etc. We call that punishment the eschatological wrath of God. So Christians will avoid some of the hard times the Bible predicts when Jesus rescues them, just not all of it. In fact, Scripture specifically tells us believers will endure hardship before that rescue. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 3.10 This keeping from the hour of trial is generally thought to be the rescue we just discussed. However, notice this passage is a conditional statement. Jesus is going to rescue only those who have kept his command to persevere. Elsewhere in Scripture, this Greek word translated here as persevere might better be translated as patient endurance. Patient endurance implies long-suffering. Absolutely everyone rescued by Jesus at his coming will have patiently endured for the cause of Christ. Everyone. So no matter what end-time theory you believe in, Scripture tells us churchgoers are going to suffer through some difficult events before Jesus returns as our blessed hope. And those hard times, as we said, have begun. Consequently, we're going to all have to prepare ourselves to endure difficulty. What resources are at our disposal? The Apostle John penned these words in the book of Revelation's final chapter. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Revelation 22:20. 20. In his visions, John saw horrible events, heartbreaking events in the last days. Despite all the carnage that is going to take place, he reasoned the end result of the last days makes the means to get there worth the suffering. He was able to say, even so, come Lord Jesus, even though there will be hardship, he believed what the Apostle Paul believed, that the return of Jesus was our blessed hope. And here's a key point. The return of Jesus will be such a blessing that it's worth any amount of distress to achieve it. Unless Christians believe that too, however, that the return of the Lord is something to yearn for, they won't be able to overcome their fear of the last days. We need to know at a gut level that his return is a blessed hope. Now, what's a blessed hope? It's our journey through life that culminates in this singular day when Jesus changes everything. It's our ultimate hope, the ultimate destination of our life's journey, and the ultimate destination of God's prophetic plan for this world as well. Our world is in a fallen state. It's full of disease, war, human trafficking, murder, starvation, and untold heartache. And these things are only getting worse. No one in their right mind would regard these conditions as a perfect world or even a good one. So God is going to transform all these things at the return of Jesus. If you are loving your life right now and don't want the world as it is to end, it's because you are living in an insulated corner of this fallen world. The majority of the world is suffering and wants it transformed. Certainly, I do. Here's another key point. This world right now is not the way that God originally envisioned it to be. 
God created Adam and Eve in a perfect garden, but sin drove them out of the garden and transmuted the world into the one we find ourselves in today. However, at the return of Jesus, God is going to return things to that pristine environment of peace and beauty that he originally intended. And true faith is believing that if God says suffering is necessary in order to make that transformation happen, if it is part of his plan, then that is what is needed. This is such an important point. Let me state it again. This is another key point. True faith is trusting what God's word says about the last days, even if it involves suffering. All of us desire an end to war, human trafficking, etc. It's just that we lack God's perspective of things. We all want these things to be different, but God sees the path the world must take to get there. Unfortunately, that path involves suffering. If this doesn't make sense to you, guess what? It doesn't have to. God's ways are higher than ours. But once we trust his perspective, we can accept that troublesome times are necessary. As an analogy, our life in this fallen world might be compared to that of a young, inner-city child who has never been outside of the ghetto. The streets around that child are violent, dirty, full of poverty, but they're the only streets that that child has known. If a ministry provides a van and takes that child on a beach vacation, the child might initially resist leaving their familiar environment of bullets and garbage. But once they get to the beach and discover its safety, and beauty, it might be hard to take that child back to the ghetto. It's a matter of perspective. You don't know what you don't know until you know. We need to acquire that type of big picture perspective as we contemplate the return of our Lord in order to yearn for the blessed hope. We need to know why it's our hope. We need to see the beach. The Bible is full of references to our hope being fully realized at the return of Jesus. That's the beach, by the way. When we read the word hope in the New Testament, it almost always refers to hope in the return of the Lord. Did you know that? We are to hope in the resurrection of the dead, Acts 23.6, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, the one who will arise and rule over the nations, Romans 15.12, the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, and the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed as coming, 1 Peter 1.13. That's a lot to hope in. And all these things happen at the return of Jesus. In fact, Paul had this to say about those who only hope in this life and not in the return of the Lord. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. 1 Corinthians 15.19 Paul tells us if we're only hoping in this life, we're like that inner city child who doesn't see the big picture of the beautiful beach that lies ahead. So let's look at each aspect of what we're commanded to hope for in order to acquire a big picture perspective. Let's begin with the resurrection of the dead. 
The Apostle Paul defines this event very clearly. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed away. God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-16 All of us have those whom we miss who have passed on. They will be reunited with us on that great day because every believer who has died will be made alive again upon Jesus' return. That's better than any beach vacation. As an example, on the day my father died, He slipped into a coma. My brother called me and told me to come back to Pennsylvania immediately because dad wouldn't last long. I asked my brother to put the phone up to my dad's ear. My brother balked, saying, he's in a coma. I said, I know, but he'll still hear me. I then told dad everything a son wants to say at that moment. But mustering every bit of strength that he still had left, my dad opened his eyes one last time and said his final words to me. I'll meet you there when you get to heaven. I get to see Dad on that great day and every day after that. That is a blessed hope. Not only will we see our loved ones resurrected, we may be among those rising on that day ourselves. I remember the day I had my open-heart surgery. They told me this particular type of open-heart procedure was very high risk and that I only had a 90% chance of surviving. I clearly remember praying, Lord, I will either wake up and continue to serve you or I'll wake up in your presence. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Now that is a blessed hope. We can live as if we're immortal because we are until the Lord calls us home. Paul put it this way, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1, 20-21 The second thing we're to hope for is glory. But what does this mean? It is a hope in our future, quote, glorification. Glorification is God's final removal of sin from the life and body of his true believers. Those who are saved on that day, Jesus is going to transform our mortal bodies into bodies like his that cannot sin. We also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Philippians 3, 20-21. Not only does this mean that we won't be able to sin once we're in these new, quote, resurrection bodies, end of quote, it also likely means we will have some of the power in that body that Jesus displayed after his resurrection. He passed through solid doors. He was able to appear and disappear at will. Will we be like that? I personally believe so. Plus, these bodies won't age or degrade. That is an incredible, supernatural blessed hope. The third thing we are commanded to hope for at Jesus' return is his reign over the kingdoms of this world. Greed, injustice, unrighteousness, and selfishness, these are the things that mark the governments of our current world. Fallen 
Imperfect humans rule them, so this should not be a surprise. But at the return of Jesus, he will sweep these things away. And more than that, he will allow us to reign with him, to share in his making of this world into the kind of place we desire it to be. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels. Revelation 2, 26-27. Imagine a world without its current political corruption. <laughs> that is also an amazing blessed hope. The fourth thing Scripture tells us to hope for is our coming inheritance, a dwelling place in the New Jerusalem, a city of beauty and splendor. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was of pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Revelation 21, 14 through 19. Imagine living in a city like that, in fellowship with all the saints who ever lived, getting to meet people like Moses and Paul, and maybe my dad, with Jesus and the Father. Now that is truly a blessed hope. The fifth thing Scripture tells us to hope for is the very presence of Jesus. Imagine looking into his eyes and seeing his love for you, love that was willing to go to the cross for you. Imagine his beauty, the peace of being in his presence when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, 2 Thessalonians 1.10. That is the greatest blessed hope of all, being with Jesus. The presence of our loved ones and friends forever, a new immortal sin-free body forever, a king who rules in righteousness and justice with us forever, living in a city of incredible beauty, forever, and being in the presence of the Prince of Peace and Love, forever. These things are our blessed hope. It is such good news, it's almost impossible to believe. And once we have this perspective of what is coming, it makes what we will endure prior to that all the more tolerable. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8.18 Paul tells us suffering is so minor as to not begin to compare to the blessings that are coming. These sufferings are like the ride to that beach vacation. If the beach is the return of Jesus, the ride itself is the last days, the years prior to his return. I've taken several such car rides with my parents when I was younger. I remember asking my parents, Hey, are we there yet? The reason I asked that question is because the ride from our house to the beach was a boring six-hour grind. My dad's car back in those days didn't have air conditioning. 
And whatever toy I brought along lost its luster after about 15 minutes. Only five hours and 45 minutes to go, son. <laughs> but our challenging ride to the beach was more tolerable, knowing where we were going, keeping our eyes on our destination. In the analogy, the destination was the beach. But in reality, it is our blessed hope that we're heading towards. It is the most amazing and incredible destination anyone could imagine. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, our hope, as we make progress toward that destination doesn't make it easy to endure difficult times, but it makes the chaos more bearable. Now, I don't mean to minimize the losses that we may end up encountering on that journey, but consider how each looks in the light of eternity. If our loved ones are martyred by persecution, we'll get to see them again on that day. If someone takes our lives, we will rise on that day. If someone harms our physical body, we get a new one on that day. If someone takes our government, Jesus will rule on that day and we'll rule with him and it will be much better than the government we have now. If someone takes your home, you'll get a new one in the new Jerusalem on that day. There is nothing anyone can take away from you that you won't get back. But there is one thing that no one can take away from you. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, or depth, nor other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38-39 Nothing can ever separate us from God's love that we carry with us throughout all hard times. Paul said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. The word there in the Greek is hyper-nakao, super-overcomers. We will win because Jesus wins in the end. Everything done to harm us is just temporary. The blessed hope is eternal. That isn't easy to grasp or implement, but it is that simple. Here is a key point. We overcome chaos in the last days by viewing it in light of our destination, the blessed hope. Additionally, the closer we get to our destination, the more excited we become. Events like the pandemic and the Ukraine war that we're enduring now break our hearts for those who are injured by them, but ultimately... They are signposts along the road telling us we're getting closer to the beach. Our blessed hope, we need to consider them in that light. Again, this is Nelson Walters. I've written 10 books, and I'm the founder of Last Days Overcomers, a ministry designed to prepare the church for the days and years prior to the return of our Lord. In order to do that, Last Days Overcomers provides resources and nationwide conferences our website is lastdaysovercomer.org. That's overcomer without the S. If you want to learn more and join us in this effort, and we invite you to do that. My teachings can also be found on YouTube on the Nelson Walters channel. There, our 500 plus videos are viewed by millions each year. We invite you to explore our teachings and interact with us there. Till then, blessings. Blessings.